Hello and welcome to Horror. This is a fortnightly podcast in which myself, Lee, and Adam will be taking our friend Chris on a journey through the twisted world of horror cinema in the hopes of introducing him to some of the many delights the genre has to offer. The premise is very simple. We will sit down together and watch a film. As soon as it's finished, we will sit down and record the podcast immediately afterwards. As such, it will be very spoiler-heavy, and we do suggest you watch the film yourself before listening to the podcast, not only so we don't spoil it, but also so you know exactly what we're talking about. At the end of each discussion, we'll decide what film we'll be watching next, and we'll let you know so you have a fortnight to watch it yourselves, and then come on our journey with us again. Along the way, there will be facts, laughs, opinions, probably quite a lot of swearing. Any full frontal nudity will be completely irrelevant, as this is audio only. So, with the introduction over, it's now time for the podcast. Thanks for listening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Adam. And I'm Chris. Uh, and we are fresh out of watching this evening's movie, The Much Forgotten Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. <laughs> Much forgotten by us, because we couldn't remember that we'd agreed to do it. You alright there, Chris? Yeah, I'd nearly got over it, but you just brought it all flooding back. What? Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. <laughs> So is, is this your first Pan's Labyrinth? It's not, but how I forgot some I of the know. bits, I have no idea. That was some powerful stuff. Yeah. Amazing. Um, right, before we get uh, stuck into the uh, main event, though, um, we should start with our new feature. Adam, you need to come up with a jingle for this, I think, to play okay. us in and out. Okay, um, uh, Oh, uh, well, hang on. Yeah, keep, keep talking amongst yourselves, and I'll, I'll do... I've got a thing, it's just nice. Oh, he's got a thing. Uh, I've got a thing. Lovely. Yeah, uh, that will just be... I love a nice thing. It, I, <laughs> I mean, basically, it's just, uh, if you're fanning about enough with... Uh, oh, just take your time getting there, why don't you? <laughs> Sorry, it's just you have to talk to your phone. Sometimes it's Harm, ditch, steal, load, simulation, misdirection, switch. Yeah, it's the five elements of illusionism. Ooh. Ah. Uh, Claire got me this T-shirt because we went to see um, oh what they called uh, Penn and Teller. Ah, that Ooh. was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I didn't and, know they were. Oh no, this was a what? This was a oh, while okay. back, but they had a T-shirt of this, but they'd sold out. Uh, ah. So uh, Claire very kindly uh, just got me one. Uh, may run up. Yes. Oh, yeah. bless her! But, but yeah, so that's the that's their um, the seven parts of illusions. Mm. Excellent. We have just bought tickets to see um, Penn and Teller at oh, um, uh, oh what's it called? O two. No, uh, when we're in Vegas, oh. playing in Vegas, so oh, we're going yeah. to. Um, Caesar's Palace. Oh, We're going to wow. see him at Caesar's Palace. Oh, nice! So we just bought tickets, uh, sort of front row, not front row, but front yeah. section, sort of right close to the stage. Um, Jennifer's always wanted to see him. Yeah. She's always wanted to see him in Vegas. So the fact that they're actually That's there while good. we're out there, they're they, mm. they're, pre- they're Vegas regulars. I think a lot yeah. of magic guys are, aren't they? Especially yeah. in the states. But seriously, it's a, it, the shows are fucking amazing. And in fact, the one thing you'll get that we couldn't get over here 
uh, they couldn't do any gun tricks because well bringing the guns through customs and everything else it was like you know it'd just be fucking mental so but seriously you just sit there and it's like right okay fair enough I thought I might be able to fucking figure pick, some of this, out. this shit out but actually it's worse in person because <laughs> you're just too dazzled mm-hmm. but their wow. stuff and they have a lot of they do have a lot of gore elements and stuff like that yes. which are really really great and um, but yeah no they are um, they're really they're really good fun if, if you hear of them being over here again shout loud they do yes. tend to, they do tend just to just whisper up. quietly and I'm still <laughs> on, on a different note have you seen Dynamo lately no oh Christ he's got something wrong with him medically he's puffed up like a fucking oh really noise. I mean, wow. he's only a tiny dude, but yeah, yeah like, like Claire said, oh, you know you haven't seen, Di-? she said, have you seen Dynamo lately? And I went, no. Show me a picture. And I went, that's why. Oh, it's not fucking hell. Mm. Anyway, so, right. I, I don't know if this is any good. Oh, go this will just be a start thing for, for like, so, and so Lee, if you want to introduce it again. So, let's start with our new section that we've introduced. Uh, ask Welcome to Horror. Nice, I like it, it's good. Um, Right, so our first Ask Welcome to Horror um, is on my phone, which I should have read the exact wording. That's all right. Rather than just kind of... Well, because we've actually had two. We've got two. So come on, listeners, you've got a really... uh, Up your game on this one. Up your game, we want to be asked questions, no matter of the sexually explicit nature of them. That is exciting, that is a 100% increase over previous... Uh, well, we got we did the one on uh, in the Mouth of Madness. Thank you. Yeah, see, that's how I interpret it. I was I was giving it the original <laughs> Polish title there from the novel that it was adapted from. Um, but yeah, uh, listener uh, listener Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hello. Hi Sarah. Uh, Snog Marry Avoid Donald Russell uh, Donald Russell Donald Pleasance Kurt Russell Vincent Price. What was the what, what the choice? Snog, Snog marry, marry avoid. avoid. Oh. But it's like really, you know, that's a difficult one. Yeah, wait, you're gonna have to remind me of the people though. Donald Pleasance. Yeah, but but Donald wait. Pleasance, who we last saw in um, uh, Deathline, as the uh, Inspector Calhoun from Deathline. Get your yeah, yeah, up. okay, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Kurt Russell, yeah, obviously, okay, yeah. and Vincent Price, who we last saw in Tales of Terror. Wait, who was he? Like he was. He's Vincent Price. He's, yeah, yeah. He's tall. Like, he's got a moustache. I know. I know. Kind of sounds like that. But he was. He was three characters yeah. in Tales of Terror. Okay, so for me, I think Snog has got to be Kurt Russell because mm-hmm. uh, he's best looking. Mm-hmm. Mary has got to be Vincent Price because he's the most exciting <laughs> of all of those characters. Um, well, avoid seems and then avoid it would have to be Donald Pleasance, but nothing personal to Donald Pleasance. I love Donald Pleasance. He'd probably drive you crazy. He, he may well do. Yeah, I don't so know if you could handle him. <laughs> see, see, I think I think it's it's a terrible thing. I think I'm going to have to avoid Vincent Price because I'd want to snog Donald Pleasance just for the opportunity to meet Donald Pleasance. Uh, and for him to uh, be comedically disgusted by me kissing him, and I'd, <laughs> and I'd marry Kurt Russell because I reckon he'd treat me right. I think he would. You know, I wouldn't want for anything. 
I think with Kurt Russell. I think that's true. And actually, I mean, is it, I mean, if it's if if it's marriage we're talking, I don't know if that knocks Goldie Hawn out of the thing. But I mean, if Goldie Goldie Hawn's involved and I'm marrying them as a couple, definitely. Oh, that's true. You that's know, very true. I'm very in. Chris. Well, <laughs> it doesn't that leave me with. You can do. You do as you as you see. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, I was going to go for your choice as well. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's so snob pleasance. Marry Russell, avoid Price. Mm. Oh, See, it's bad. I don't, I don't want to avoid Vincent Price. I mean, we, he's one of our favourite people. Well, well, I, I remember when I told you about Michael Jackson got propositioned by Vincent Price, mm. didn't he? And we were both like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Vincent Price. That's one to tell the grandkids. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time I slept with Vincent Price? <laughs> Are we not allowed to change it from avoid to something else? I suppose we can adapt it. Uh, can we make it better or will it just get worse I don't know I think it's snog marry have a pint sleep with. with have Is a pint with yeah yeah actually yeah that's that, that's a lot better than my suggestion <laughs> yeah sleep with oh, I, yeah, thinking, I love, you know, the, I love the fact you're sleeping with people but you won't snog them yeah. God almighty you're like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman <laughs> not oh. for the first time I've made that connection actually to be honest <laughs> but yeah so snog snog marry go for a pint with then I think, oh, you know, I still think I'm going to marry Kurt Russell. Yeah. But I'd go for a pint with Donald Pleasance and snog Vincent Price. Uh, if only just because I'd imagine, I'd imagine he tastes amazing. Oh, yeah. It's all that vintage wines and stuff. Mm, yeah, just think of it. Your Amontillado. So Lee, what are you? Go for a pint, snog, marry. I, I would stick with my choice, and I would not avoid Donald Pleasance, and I go for a pint with him. Yeah, definitely mm. a pint with Pleasance. But yeah, the other two are non-negotiable. Fair enough. <laughs> um, excellent. So thank you very much for that question, Sarah. Excellent question. Yes. Um, right. So on to our next question, which is from our friend Bobby from the Not for Everyone podcast. Yay! Um, he has asked. When, what was your initial exposure to the horror genre and how did you respond to it at the time? Ooh, that is a good question. That is a really good mm. question. I'm liking these questions. Have yeah, you had a good. chance to think about this in advance? Uh, well, I, I've made mine, I've mentioned mine on yeah. m- several occasions. Um, so my initial uh, exposure to horror was uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller mm. um, and I found it absolutely captivating and would watch it over and over and over again because it scared me but because uh, uh, it was on a DVD with uh, DVD not in the 90s it was not not in, in the, the 80s not, not in, in the, the 80s, 80s. Yeah. Um, it was on wax cylinder it was carved into a into a, uh, a stone tablet. Well, I only had Thriller on eight track anyway. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so because it was followed by the making of, I found it terrifying, but then somehow soothing when you then got to watch the fun they had making it, yeah. and it took that scary element out of it for me. Um, yeah, so I could enjoy it in a in a comfortable surrounding. Mm. I think genuinely probably mine is Carry On Screaming. Mmm. What a classic. I think because I'm I'm fairly certain because I think um sort of like as a family we, we always watched a lot of old like sort of sitcoms and stuff like that and you know, carry on films were just part and parcel of that, especially because it used to be that carry on films were 
I mean, we're we're doing this on a bank holiday. Carry on films would be on on a bank holiday. There'd be at least two or three showing over yeah. the four days, and that's we? even before sort of multiple channels, really. Or yeah, sort of, yeah but know, we had four channels. Four so channels, like, and then you'd get at least two somewhere. So I think that probably was my first exposure to it. So in a weird way, a spoof of of it. Um, so what what happens in it? Uh, Carry On Screaming is basically um, women are going missing but they're being encased in wax and made into uh, uh, shop window dummies by um, oh, um, Kenneth Williams, Dr. Watt and his uh, his sister played by Fenella Fielding. Yep. That mm. definitely had an early influence on me as mm-hmm. well. I think you know, Fenella Fielding in that is... Sensational. She's yeah. perfect. She is. And I think, yeah, so I think it was kind of that. So I think it's probably why comedy and horror have always been a thing for me. Yeah. Like, because it was, it would, I think probably in other ways, there were probably bits that I saw spoofed in uh, stuff. But then also, I think there's a lot, of, I mean, there's just a lot of kids' TV. I mean, probably, actually, probably some, uh, like, 80s Doctor Who like there was a lot of body horror in it yeah, and stuff you know people getting their hands crushed quite graphically <laughs> on the screen and people being pushed in a bath of acid and things like that um, and a, uh, there was an intergalactic slug who had to have his brain transplanted into another body because his, his skull was too small um, but the body he was put into was another intergalactic slug but it had a sting on the end of its tail and it really reminded me of the prawn ball I was eating it put me off Chinese for a good couple of months <laughs> um, so I do remember that So, but uh, yeah I think Carry On Screaming is probably the first, the first my first intro, intro to horror and loving the tropes of it but I yeah. think I think just when we were kids there were a lot of Frankenstein and Dracula sort of stuff and hmm. There was stuff like the Drac Pack. Yeah, like a lot of kids' TV. I have bought the complete Drac Pack on yeah. DVD and uh, need to work my way through more of those. So I think, but again, I think probably Michael Jackson's Thriller would have been an early thing that I saw that was serious. Yeah, if for want of a better expression, you know, like it's intended to scare. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's yeah, but there's a lot of there's probably a lot of other stuff that I'm forgetting, but sort of yeah, I think. Probably carry on screaming. Probably, probably even like I might have watched like a Hammer film with my mum and dad or something like that. Excellent. Cool. Fantastic. Now, Chris, I'm particularly keen to hear your take on this because the reason this podcast came about is that you said to me you liked the idea of horror horror, and you liked what you'd seen, Mm. but you didn't know what you should be watching and what was trash. Yeah. Well, particularly that I hadn't seen much older horror. Hmm. At the time, well, never. Really. So yeah, so I was interested to know what you really liked. From That's the what past. I mean. So I'd be keen to know what you'd seen that you liked enough to be interested in the genre, but without having seen a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, so Thriller was the first time I remember actually screaming and crying and <laughs> running away from the TV. Now I don't remember doing that ever after. And it's interesting you say the making because I'm pretty sure I watched that at some point, but it wasn't straight after mm. having watched that but so I was fascinated from Thriller because it, it was beyond what I had imagined possible I just I suppose before that I was trying to think of anything I'd seen and 
you know, things like The Worst Witch and I love it was the like, Worst yeah, Witch. Yeah, it's, it's a great film, but certainly not exactly horror. Hmm. You know, there's some, I suppose, when you're really young, you know, a few nasty little bits, but, but like, the, you know, basic jump scares a little bit, definitely comedy, um, and yeah, you know, a bit of magic and, and witches. But um, I can't, I just can't really think of anything else before that. Um, certainly after Thriller, then I remember things like Ghoulies, yes. um, Gremlins I loved, again, mm. comedy slash mm. horror, but yeah, pretty good. Um, Critters definitely was in there. Yes. Um, I suppose as well, things like Robin of Sherwood, that had some dark that really did yeah. that had some really good magic and mm, paganism yeah, stuff in yeah. it as well and yeah. so that that was pretty much my first experience of of that religious darkness yeah so that that was fantastic um, and then as I got older you know particularly things like um, I, I did watch Out to Limits that was on Sky so I think that was a bit like um, sort of Twilight Zone yeah, yeah. for some show, reason yeah. I totally missed Twilight Zone I don't know if I ever saw any of them but yeah I really liked Out of Limits and there was a few other series on there that I really liked um, and, and yeah then later on we, we watched things like Event Horizon so that yes. was fantastic when, and you know you start to get really psychological horror and hell and, and yeah um, but then it just dropped off almost completely so from about the age of I suppose eighteen, nineteen. I don't remember watching many, mm. okay. many horrors. Yeah, excellent. Um, Come. I think also just as a sudden one that sprung to mind, definitely some public information films. Yes, the spirits of dark and lonely water. Yeah. things like that <laughs> were just like, but that, but in a weird way. Absolutely correct because I think there's a lot of molly coddling that goes on. Whereas back then it was like, don't do this or you die. Yes, and that stuck with me, and I didn't do them, and I'm still here. It's funny, I totally missed all of those. I don't know when they were shown, but the only time I saw them was I was watching a Russell Brand comedy series, and he showed them all. Yeah, and he yeah. showed them. All. I was like, I, really I missed all of these. Show. Yeah, I thought it was good. Tondaland was great. Yeah. genuinely great need to, actually I need to see if I can get hold of the whole series of that and rewatch it because mm. it's I think Sarah's got a DVD actually oh it's available on DVD yeah it was a nice funny look through, through our lives but yeah I was like hold on where was I when half this stuff happened well uh, uh, but this is the thing me and Wes were talking about this and I think this again might have something to do with it is uh, hello friend of the show Wesley mm-hmm. um, Wes. we so. were um we were talking about basically when you were a kid or certainly when we were kids we would be put in front of cartoons mm-hmm. and that included Raymond Briggs's The Way the Wind Blows which I don't know if you've ever seen that it's basically oh, a I piss take remember that. it's a piss take on the like anti not anti-nuclear but like n- nuclear prevention yeah like in the event of a nuclear f- bomb mm do all these things like build yourself a shelter out of doors and paint the windows white and yeah. things like that and it's this lovely doddery old couple just going and doing it all really <laughs> gently and everything else like that and then at the end of it the bomb drops and they're wiped Wipes out, out you know they're fucking flesh blisters <laughs> yeah. off them and they're dead and it's like but that was put in front of us much in the same way as Tom and Jerry 
Because it was oh. a cartoon, they just put it on. And yeah. water ship down as well. That what fuck yeah, up? What yeah. is wrong with people? And, and like we were saying I about... Well, like we were saying about... We, um, we've... Um, uh, like, uh, I think probably a lot of people, it's also Disney. Mm. You know? I mean, there's... And genuine real-life horror. It's not sort of like, all oh, vampires and ghosts and things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, your parents are going to die. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. In, in, you know, ends. That's it. Thanks for telling me about this. It's like... Hamsters, buy them a hamster. It teaches them about death. Mm. I'm sorry, but that's not part of the fun. And you can't get to do tricks and go on YouTube like a dog or a cat. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you ever so much for those questions, um, Sarah and Bobby. Excellent questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone else has got any questions, yeah, um, it, go on Instagram and hashtag Welcome to Horror. Yeah. Um, or email us at info at welcome to horror.com um, if Chris is checking that email or hit us up on Facebook yeah or contact us on Facebook um, Chris is now checking the email because apparently he's not done it for a while um, yeah no it does it shows up am I the only right, one okay. no yeah right. um, yeah so send us your questions and we will be more than happy to uh, to discuss them yeah excellent questions thanks guys thank you folks yeah um, so on to what we've been watching Adam, what horror have you been watching? I watched Tank 432. I'm just really pleased because I know the last couple of times it's been done for me. I've watched nothing. <laughs> so I watched Tank 432, which was originally called, uh, originally going to be called uh, Belly of the Bulldog. Hmm. Um, Neither of those titles sound exactly like horror. No. No. And it's, it's, a, it's a strange one. Um, it's basically starts off that you are introduced very quickly to a small team of um, soldiers. Uh, one of them's injured already, and they're sort of clearly on the run from something or some, you know, battle that they've been involved with or something like that. Mm. Um, and uh, basically they uh, get more and more chased and things are just getting from bad to worse one of them starts becoming ill and vomiting everywhere and um, one of them's just completely disorientated and doesn't know what's going on and basically they are all falling apart as a unit anyway mm. and they've got two prisoners in tow and as they're on the run they find a broken down tank which is the, the bulldog a bulldog tank, which is the where the title comes from, and they lock themselves in that, mm. and then get stuck, and then basically fall apart as a team in there wow. as more and more weird revelations and odd shit is happening, okay. and it kind of borders it. it um, someone, uh, one of the things that described it on the box said sort of halfway between Dog Soldiers and um, Jacob's Ladder. Wow. And I kind of see that. I mean, I don't don't go into it expecting, like, the the, the equals from those two pluses, yeah. if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But I can see where they're coming from. I really... I did enjoy it. I thought it was a really good, really good film. Really good cast. Um, Michael Smiley's in it. Okay, uh, Tom. Yes. Uh, Tom Meaton, who was... In Prevenge. Yes. Um, and uh, Gordon Kennedy, uh, who obviously from the Borderlands and absolutely yeah. and used to present the uh, lottery. Um, but yeah, and it's just, a, it's just really 
there's another guy in it who's probably quite famous now. I think that's like one of the reasons that is sort of it resurfaced. Resurfaced, yeah. Can't think of his name for the life of me, but it's probably going to be like one of those ones where people just go, Alexa, who? Uh, give me the cast. Mm, I of, don't know that. All one. right, love, come on, play the game. <laughs> Alexa, who stars in the film Tank Four Three Two? Tank Four Hundred and Thirty Two stars Rupert Evans, Tedrick Mullins, and Steve Gary. Right there, you go. Uh, Rupert go. Evans, who apparently is other shit. So, so we're replacing you with Alexa now. I know. I might as well go. I'm. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, we should. She, she didn't give us anywhere near as much detail as you did. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Also, yeah. like, like we said earlier, she's not going to be very good for the. You know that thing that's like the other thing, but it's got <laughs> blades in it. Um, yeah. Yes, the new addition to the team is Alexa, um, who we are hopefully going to. Sorry, I didn't mean to say your name, dear. Um, who we're hopefully going to be using for information. Uh, ad hoc moving forward during the episodes such as just then just like that Chris what have you been watching oh I watched uh, Blade Runner 2049 yes and I I loved it I thought it was fantastic yeah Um, I loved right the fact that they were willing to have really long scenes slow where you really had to you know it was made you really thoughtful about what was going on I thought that was quite gutsy of them cause it gave you breathing space yeah, yeah there's not did. many you know films that are willing to take that chance nowadays I think at least I haven't seen them so yeah for you know what you'd expect to be full on action I think they really did justice to the original in that sense like the style was amazing throughout it looked absolutely yeah. astonishing I um, think I think also for if you're a fan of if you're a real lover of the original, I think mm. you can't help but love this one. I you know I think they just really they really fucking nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they took they took the elements from the first one, and I think managed to add enough new interest in it. Um, for instance, like the he's an AI. Mm. Um, or I don't know what what do they call them. Uh, replicant. Yeah, replicant. Okay, so like they're half human, half robot. They're basically genetically engineered people. Yeah. So they are kind of. Because they're, they're more powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. Like they're sort of superhuman. That mm. I suppose. So isn't that what it is? More human than human. Yeah. Because in the in in do androids dream of electric sheep? They're yeah. called Andes. Okay. For short for android. Yeah. But they make it a much more genetic. Mm. Um, robot as it were mm. but they're still entirely built and it has mm. to be said Jared Leto yeah that's so mm. fucking good in it and yeah. so fucking horrid yeah. you know what I've got so much respect for him mm. recently I, I recently watched the Netflix original uh, The Outsider about him he's in a, a, a Japanese prison and he saves the life of a Yakuza member. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets out, he basically joins the gang. But he's the only Westerner mm-hmm. in any... And, yeah, he's he's such a good actor. Mm-hmm. I, did, yeah. I always thought he was... Again, another one of those pretty boys who you just write off. But actually, he's got so much range to him. So, wait, what else? He was in um, June, wasn't he? Was that not him? No, that's the guy from Twin Peaks. Yeah, you're thinking... Jer- he yeah. was in... Fight Club. Yeah, he's the one who got mashed by. He's the one who's in Fight Club. Who basically it is 
he's a pretty boy so yeah. he wants to smash his fucking face yeah. in yeah um, go on what, what else um, obviously he's in the band 30 Seconds to Mars which is I did not know no, a tad didn't. unfortunate because they're not all that to be honest mm. but as an actor yeah uh, obviously he was the Joker he was the Joker in, in Suicide Squad ah uh, yeah um, building up a part yeah <laughs> um, yeah he's uh, oh he was in he was in um, Alexa list some films uh, starring no, Jared Leto. That's Lata. what I was thinking of. One of my favourite films, Requiem for a Dream. Films yes, yes that films. was... Blade Runner, Titanic, The Godfather and The Matrix. To see a longer list... I think he just, said, I think he just got list some films. I don't think <laughs> yeah, he got... Yeah, fair enough. Um, I don't remember him being in, in, in The Matrix, to be honest. But... Matrix, Titanic? Yeah. No, I think, he's, I think you started speaking and then Chris yeah. spoke and I think he confused her. Oh, right. Try, try again. Lee. Alexa. List some films featuring Jared Leto. Sorry, I don't know that one. Oh, she's so, she's yeah. been so good all day. Now she's just editing. misbehaving. Yeah, know. but it might be it might be nerves. <laughs> is, it, is it not? Is it not Leto? Alexa, list films starring Jared Leto. The films that Jared Leto is a starring <laughs> include Blade Runner two thousand and forty nine, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, Dallas Buyers Club, and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. For more, check out the Alexa app. Thank you, Alexa. Um, <laughs> bless her. Oh. Um, yeah, and uh, one other film that I started watching last night, The Man from Earth. That's saying which is about a guy who's lived from the Paleolithic period. Mm. So he's. Hundred, no, he's fourteen thousand years old. There you go. Is that Jared Leto? Or is that just no, no, watching? just watch it. I really oh, like right, it. Cool. I think it was just a, it was released online or something, and it got big. Just I don't know. It's it's a funny film, and it it yeah, it works. He was oh. in. Um, I think he was in Urban Legend as well. If I remember correctly, he may have been. I, I didn't. I, I think I think I saw that once on video, possibly. Yeah, I've got it upstairs. I've got one and two, but I haven't rewatched. So I've been watching season two of Slan- uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, was this the Drew Barrymore yeah. cannibal thing? Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah, where she's a zombie. Oh, she's a, oh right because I yeah. knew she was eating people. I didn't know whether it was cannibals, vampires. Zombies. But she's like she's married. Yeah. Yes. So and her got and, children. Yeah. So she's got a daughter, a teenage mm. daughter, um, and in season one. She basically one day she has like a massive vomit and throws up this Red Bull thing, and then she dies for a very short period of time. Yeah, and then she's just back to herself, but she has to eat human flesh to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a full on comedy show, but mm-hmm. it's about zombies. And uh, yeah, it, it's really good. It's really funny. Now you're not normally a fan of zombie. No. But this is. But this well, zombie is one he of is those. He's a fan of Drew Barrymore, though. Yeah. I, I definitely am. Um, but I think zombies are one of those things that work really well in uh, horror comedies because I don't think they work well enough on their own purely for horror. Um, but they're quite a good uh, situation for a for a comedy, really. Mm. Um, I think so films like Fido mm, and stuff. I think most of the even the good like serious ones. It tends to be more the people 
involved mm. being shits rather than the zombies are a main the zombies are a threat but they lead to people being shitty to each yeah. other yeah yeah but but Santa Clarita is fantastic um it's really good so I wasn't sure our season two would work but they go into a lot of the things that are dropped in season one so things that you forget have happened suddenly become more important um but hopefully not in that Game of Thrones sense of like, no. oh, who's this dude who's just turned up? Oh, right, he was in one scene in series two and now you've got to know he's the most important fucker on the planet. Yeah, no, luckily it's none of that. It's just, well, like I say, it's, I mean, when she first turns in the first episode, she throws up like a ridiculous amount mm-hmm. and this red ball comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, not, yeah. not the energy drink, a ball. No, no, a, 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 a small red lump. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she puts it in the freezer and you just kind of forget about it and now it's gone back to that and it's oh. now also gone back to rather than just going oh she's suddenly a zombie now we've discovered there are a few more and they're trying to work out what the link is so that they can follow it back and basically stop a zombie outbreak but right. without anyone letting anyone know that she's a zombie because they still have to keep it a secret mm. um, oh, but it's just so funny it's really good um, it's rated 15, so they're allowed one C-bomb per episode. Mm-hmm. And they every episode, they use it so brilliantly. So you just... I know it sounds ridiculous, but it, it is. It's like part of the... It's like an Easter egg in there. Like yeah. You're just waiting for it to happen on every... Who's going to say it this time, and how yeah. are they going to use... Yeah, it's really funny. I think it's so well written. And the characters, characters, characters in it are so likeable and... Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really good. It's fantastically cast. The guy who plays the husband, I've never seen anything before, but he's absolutely amazing. Um, the teenage daughter was fantastic. She's a great actress. Uh, she's really funny. Her, her timing is really good. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really good show. Um, yeah, and again, it's Netflix doing what they do, which is just being untouchably good. Yeah. Oh, I, and I watched Annihilation. I know you did, Lee. Have you watched it yet, I Chris? Didn't, yeah. Oh, no. right, okay. A good film. Uh, I preferred the book, but it differs from the book enough, which was good because then I wasn't just sitting there going through the beats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, that I kind of enjoyed that, that there's now two versions of a story that I like that I can enjoy. Um, but I think, like we were saying, I think the fact that there's a lot of people out there saying it's the most mind-blowing thing they've ever seen possibly just denotes that they haven't watched was a that, lot of good films. Yeah, was that where it set up your expectation more than... So if it had been slightly I think tempered... For me, it was because I'd read the book, so mm. I was quite sort of... I was just obsessed that they were going to do it, and it was Alex Garland who did Ex Machina, and... Yeah. Um, well, that's what attracted which me Which is to phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, and... and Jeff Barrow and Ben Salisbury were doing the music, so I was like, right. Was it someone who did the signal as well? Did I imagine that? Um, I'm not sure, possibly. I might imagine that. Um, but yeah, watch the signal. Fucking hell. That's a great film with the best... The, the final two minutes of that film is absolutely astonishing. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it, was, um, it was visually a nice film. The story was good. It was exciting. All the characters were good. I liked the the little hints that you picked up all the way through, the mm. little things that... Um, I think visually it's, it was, uh, you know, like the manifestations and things like that was so, you know, beautiful. It reminded me, weirdly, of murder scenes in Hannibal. 
Yes. You know, where they would just be so exquisitely well-staged yeah. and elaborate and everything that it was like, this is, it's like sculpture. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's, that definitely I really enjoyed. I love the weirdness of that end scene in the lighthouse mm. and stuff. Yeah. It, 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 it was a good film, but I think, as you said, I think if I, if people had said, this is a pretty good film and I've gone in and seen it, I'd have had my mind blown. Whereas mm. I was expecting to have my mind blown and come out going, it was, Good, but yeah. I, it's not like you say. People are like, oh my god, this is life changing. It's the greatest film mm. of the last twenty years or whatever, and and then it wasn't. But it was very enjoyable. Yeah, it, it was brilliant. It, it was a good film, better than a lot. But that's yeah. yeah, you know, I think that's that's it. But I would urge anyone to read the book because, like I say, if you've watched the thing, if you've watched it and enjoyed it, the book has a lot of differences. A lot of good differences, and certainly they miss out a lot of stuff that probably actually works better written down than yeah, it would yeah. than it would trying to adapt it visually. So, and definitely you've not you've not got the same ending. Okay. So you're not leading to that same conclusion or anything else like that. You get a totally different thing. There's a there's bizarre living writing. There's a, there's uh, steps that seem to lead back in on themselves and sort of weird Mobius Things strips moments. Things that you couldn't and, actually... Yeah, you couldn't necessarily do adequately, I don't think. You know, I think it's a good... I think it's good that they've taken they've taken a lot of the good elements from the book mm. and, and the, the premise pretty much... The, the premise that you go into is very much as the book. Um, but I think, yeah, there's a lot sort of... the. the the book and also the book's got uh, there's three there's three books in the sequence yeah um, and they are all really good but I think like um, I think it's probably just the uh, I think it's like a lot of people where it's like the shape of water people were saying it's Oscar worthy and amazing because they hadn't seen Pan's Labyrinth what a great segue what an excellent thank segue thank you <laughs> so um on that note, um, normally we, because we give people uh, time to go and see the film, um, we don't generally give a rundown or a synopsis of the movie. Um, we just kind of launch into it. So this is going to be our new thing, now that we have our new co-host. Um, we are going to be doing this from now on. So uh, we've just watched Pan's Labyrinth. So, Alexa... What is the plot of the film Pan's Labyrinth? Pan's Labyrinth is a 2006 film starring Ivana Baquero, Ariadne Gill, and Sergi Lopez. In the Falangist Spain of 1944, the bookish young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into an eerie but captivating fantasy world. The film is 1 hour and 58 minutes long. The movie has a rating of 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb based on around 534,895 votes and is rated R. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So there we go. So there's a quick rundown of the film. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, we'll start with you, um, but I think all of us are in the same boat that <laughs> we've seen this once or twice but not for a long time and remembered... A lot less than we thought we did when we started watching it. So, what did you make of Pan's Labyrinth this time round? Seriously harsher than I remembered, but unbelievable. Mm. Um, I, like 
Yeah. So, alright. I, I thought that at some point, monsters came out and attacked everyone. Now, that totally did not happen. <laughs> and I'd really forgotten some of the most powerful scenes. Um, particularly, the end is, you know, it's, it's crazy. I'd forgotten just how brutal that is. Yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just to take it from the end and go backwards. But yeah, so, and it's interesting, throughout the whole thing, I... I, in my head again, I sort of thought that the Pan's Labyrinth was real, meant to be in the film, but now I've realised that possibly it was all in her head. See, I... No, you know, I agree. I thought the same thing. I think the only question in the the whole thing is how she got to the baby, because she said the door was locked, Mm. and the phone said, make Make a door. Using the chalk that they previ- that she previously used to yeah. open a, a, a door, a doorway. Yeah. But with the exception of that, everything else in it could have been entirely in her head. Mm. Say, especially when you see her talking to the phone, mm. and you and see it through his, eyes, through his eyes, yeah. and there's nobody there. Mm. Um, but arguably, would he see? Would yeah, he see he it because not. he's not? Well, he's not part mm. of that world, mm. which she apparently, apparently is. is. Yeah. But of course, all this made me think of the witch. Because of mm. a similar, similar issue in that it could arguably all happen mm. aside from magic doors. Um, <laughs> yeah, w- without that, I mean, I suppose the bit where the the mother she was getting better with the root of oh, the, the root mandrake. mandrake yeah. um, but I suppose you know odd things do happen medically, so again that could possibly happen. She mm. might get a bit better and then she has a terrible time and dies um, <clears throat> during the childbirth. Um, but yeah, like some of the scenes were amazing. I, I, I really loved the way it, it flowed from Pan's Labyrinth world to the real world and the girl having difficulties with both mm. all the way through. It's like it was a, an interesting contrast and yet also a sort of reflection. So she wasn't just, if, she, if it was a fantasy, it wasn't just a nice one that was escaping. It was like still trials full of difficulty. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also she didn't know exactly whether to trust um, the the phone. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that was yeah unbelievable. It's, it's something so dark about him, mm. is the thing. Despite the fact he's trying to encourage her and stuff, there's something about him that you just don't trust. And because I couldn't quite remember how it ended, mm. I was like, does it, it all yeah. turn? And it's just him trying to get his hands mm. on the kid? or Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... But then... In terms of like fairy tales, that kind of is that is a thing where it's like everyone's got their it, it, in many ways like the real world. There's you know people have their own agendas and their own yeah, stuff going on, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, should I be trusting mm. you? Yeah, and yeah, I think the one thing that I like is that you don't get at any point something that I find with a lot of films that are similar mm. is you're not sitting there going, oh, for fuck's sake, just get back to the labyrinth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The mm. the, 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 the real world, world story was... is as interesting yeah. and in many ways both of them interrupt each other where yeah. you're like, but what are they going to do about this? Yeah. Or what is happening with this? You know, and sort of, yeah. I Oddly, yeah, you're never at any point sort of like wanting out of one or the other and, and yet they're quite d- different mm. really you know you'd think a sort of a war film um, wouldn't necessarily 
blend nicely with a fantasy like that. Mm, and yeah. yeah, it just done so well. It, it it's astonishing. The thing that I've, I've mentioned it before with Adam. The thing that always gets me with Guillermo del Toro that that specifically stands out for me, and, and which was missing. Not well, I say missing. It wasn't as good in The Shape of Water. Was the way that his bad characters make you literally sick to your stomach. Like that captain with everything everything Mm. about him makes you physically uncomfortable. You just Mm. hate the character. Yeah, there's nothing to like. And the same with the devil's backbone. Oh, the devil's backbone, the the caretaker guy in that is irredeemable. He makes Mm. you so angry. You're almost at the point of shouting at the screen. It's the only reason I've not gone back and rewatched that film is because of how much I hated that character. Mm. But because he'd done such a fantastic job yeah. of building up such a shitbag. Yeah. And, and the, as I say, The Shape of Water um, is new one. The bad character in that is close to it, mm. but he's totally reined it in to, to try and hit a mainstream audience. I mean, you couldn't put something enough, like that yeah. into, out for an Oscar. No, I, now, I thought this was really big when it was released. So it was interesting to hear that both of you said it wasn't. It as... was a, it was a it was a it was big, but right. obviously it just didn't have, like any foreign language film. It just doesn't it's, have yeah. such a wide audience Slightly because subtitles just put people yeah. off, you mm. know. And I mean, we've got to be thankful that it wasn't fucking remade badly, mm. like oh, Tim God. Burton remade it or something like. That. Do you know what I mean? They'd give it to someone who they think could do it. And it wouldn't be what right. to try and make it more mainstream. Well, just yeah. to give it because I mean it's like the Ring, the Ring was um, uh, and the Grudge as well. There was like that whole slew of Japanese films that any ones that were successful, they immediately remade them because then it's like oh well people will watch it because now they don't have to read subtitles. Yeah, and uh, let the right one in had exactly the same yeah. thing. Oh, that did not need remaking in any way, no. shape, or form. Apart from the fact it wasn't in English, which would turn yeah. a large percentage of people off, who are generally idiots. Well, <laughs> I think this is the thing, is that it's like that element of, you know, you don't deserve it if you're not willing to put the effort in. And I, know, I understand, I can understand why, I mean, it's like, you know, I, I don't particularly like musicals. Yeah. But, again, it's like sort of... But you still like Blues Brothers. I still like the Blues Brothers. I still like. I still. I still watch Rocky Horror. I still watch um, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not. In principle, I'm averse to musicals. Yeah, same as me. But I am not necessarily. That isn't necessarily right. I'm never going to watch one. Yeah. Or something along those lines. But I think, yeah, I think just there's a lot of. It. I think, it's. In a weird way, I think it's just letting people off. Hmm. It's like, look, if you really want to watch this film, if you want to watch The Ring because everyone's going on about it, but you don't want to watch The Ring because there's subtitles, fuck you, you don't get to watch The Ring. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? This is funny. I, I do watch subtitle films. I've got no problem with them whatsoever. But this, the, the pacing of this film, they, I think you said, Adam, that Guillermo del Toro did the... Um, uh, the subtitles himself, and it almost feels as if he'd expected it to do as well internationally, in the way that there's very little talking in the action scenes and the stuff mm. where there's more going on, mm. so that 
you don't have to take your eyes away from the action to read it. Yes. So it felt as if he knew that that was going to be the case. Yeah. And, he, and he, he built it in that fashion. So when there's a lot of talking, you don't need to be watching what's going on. Whereas the like the the scene where he goes where she goes in and there's the character with the eyes in the hands yeah mm-hmm. pale man yeah not a word is said in that scene no because then you don't take your eyes off of the action for a yeah. moment and it's it's that's why it's so perfect I think even for people who don't like subtitle films yeah I know I said if you don't like subtitle films fuck you but I don't really mean that but I, I think even for people who don't like subtitle films. You could definitely watch this yeah. because it, it isn't intrusive. No, it's not say it, it's not like watching a courtroom drama or mm. something where the dialogue is the essence. Mm. With this, you've got visuals, you've got a lot of, uh, like you say, you've got a lot of action. You've got, and I think, weirdly enough, I think there's a lot, a, a lot gets put on the idea that oh you've got to watch it you've got to you know go and watch it with the subtitles it's a pain in the ass and it's mm. like but the major- filmmaking is visual and kind of you can get the gist you know what I mean if if Pan's Labyrinth was on a telly in a bar with the sound off you could still enjoy it you could still probably follow it or at least be going what the fuck is yeah. this yeah. I want uh, to know more yeah. yeah I would be watching it that would take my attention. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was that was a. I can't remember. That was a sketch on something where they said about that was going to be a method of crowd control uh, for like riots and things like that was to Stop just dangle tellies, but with the sound down. Yeah. So, like in a pub, just eventually everyone's watching it. Mm. And <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think also because apparently what happened was is um, Guillermo del Toro. Um, wrote the subtitles for this himself because mm. he's fluent in English. He wrote the subtitles because apparently the ones on the Devil's Backbone he really didn't like. He thought I don't think they were particularly well translated, and also um, he said that they were paced wrong. So often the subtitles were still were on screen right. while something visual was taking yeah. place, yeah. and so. Not only did he do the translation, he sat there with his editor and was saying about where it should appear, at what point on the screen, and so on and so forth. And I think I think the quote is that he said the Devil's Backbone was subtitles for um, subtitles for the intellectually impaired. (laughs) Well, that's that's how he felt that they'd been done by someone who just wasn't really particularly much cop at their job. Yeah. So he, yeah, so he wanted, but then again, I think that's just, that's just a good level of quality control, which is him. It is. It, it, do you know what? He is definitely one of my favourite filmmakers at the moment. Mm. Um, the fact he can go from doing this to doing something like Pacific Rim, mm. which um, I rewatched last weekend with Jennifer for the first time. She'd never seen it. Um, I think because I'd said to her, oh, there's no story, it's just... Giant robots this... fight giant monsters. Yeah, yeah. for two hours. And she was like, don't think I want to see that. And I was like, no, you, you do. Mm. So when I put the new sound system in, uh, I it was one of the films I was like, you, we, if we want to see it and really try it out, we need to watch something big and loud. And um, So we watched Pacific Rim. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she, she enjoyed it. Um, but how he can switch from 
that to this to Blade Two to Hellboy mm. to like he's got such a phenomenal range. He has. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through some because a lot of this was all sort of stuff. I I was doing the research and everything else like that. And as I thought, there's not many that uh, obviously a lot of the actors are appearing only in Spanish language sort of stuff. So mm. some of it we've not really heard of and things like that. But it did mean that I got a bit of uh, in-depth on Guillermo del Toro. Mm. And there's some sort of like fascinating bits and pieces. But I mean, in terms of his films, it's weird because you think he's done more than he has. Because mm. the, the list is Kronos, which yeah. is fantastic. Mimic, uh, Devil's Backbone, Blade 2, Hellboy, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak, The Shape of Water. That's that it. Really, it. But you kind of in your head. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those films. No. Is it? I mean, it's like they're all crackers. But it's like sort of you just assume he's been doing. Because I mean, like Kronos is 1993. So you think he's been doing? You know, he's been doing it since then. But it's sort of here and there, and when he's yeah. had the opportunity, and when he's had the, you know the ability to put the stuff in things like that Crimson Peak reminded me a lot of this film um, in the pacing see I've still not seen that and I've really the, the pacing is very similar that, and again it's got that ridiculous level of gore like this where that first scene well, where he takes the bottle yeah, and yeah. smashes so, that guy so I really wanted to come back to that because I thought you knew he was going to do something bad somehow and having seen it before, and I knew there was something horrible in it, mm. it's still, just they shot that, I don't know, something they got right there, where it's like, oh, that is brutal. It's one of the most brutal yeah. things I've are we, seen in Are we long. back to the ritual, in a weird way, where, for something that has the most outlandish, and, I mean, obviously, not, not in necessarily in the same league of the fantasy world of this, mm. but it's that thing of... The, the realities, the general yeah. realities, are oh, oh, fucking harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Much like how... how uh, sorry, the ritual... I did say the ritual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For some reason, the, I thought the, I said the relic, and it was like, no, that's that <laughs> film about a monster in a museum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah um, no, absolutely. It's, mm. And and they, they really seemed to... Uh, like All the way through, yeah, how bad they made him, which, for that bit where he gets killed at the end mm. it's almost like I don't know what, what to feel because I, I don't really want people getting killed but it's like he he wanted his son to to know about like the watch and I, I wanted to ask what was exactly because he's looking at his watch all the way through and they gave you a story about someone who they passed say it's, on the they watch they say it's his father's watch and his it father it was his father right yeah. okay. they say it's his father's watch his father was a general yeah who when he was killed smashed it on a rock on yeah. looked next to him so that his son would know the time he died oh okay so it's, it's on that time all yeah. the time and, and di- no because he's no, repaired oh he did repair it right yeah, yeah. yeah. okay See, that's the, why we saw him cleaning it yeah was, I remember yeah this is another okay. this is another of Gilmaro del Toro has got a lot of obsessions Mm. Insects, obviously, yeah, yeah, an yeah. insect thing, but clockwork, mm. yeah, because like even even uh, the captain's room in this, in that old mill house, and it's all the sort of the big, big cogs, the big cogs and wheels and stuff like that, and obviously like Kronos, you've got a watchmaker in yeah. this, he's repairing yeah. the watch, and it's interesting because because obviously when the guy says that. 
because it's a guy at the dinner at the dinner party, doesn't he? And he, yeah. the guy says, "Oh, I knew your father," and yeah, his story, yeah. and he goes, "No, my father didn't have a watch." And it's sort of like, so were mm. you? Was it that? Do you feel guilty that you made it work again, so that you don't know, yeah. or did it fail to? Did it fail to happen? Did his father try to smash it and it, and it kept going? Yeah, so he doesn't know. And and clearly, there's an element there where it's like, I'm going to be a hero. You know, this is yeah. him living up to this father, yeah. and it's I'm going to be a big hero on the battlefield. And it's like, no, you're, you're a not. prick who shoots people in the back. Yeah, and yeah. Bottles on un- unarmed men. Mm. You're an arsehole. Yeah. Your legacy ends here. Yeah, you're gone. His death though is because because uh, I I'd, I'd forgotten. I remember that shot of someone getting shot in the face and their eye going like mm. that. And I couldn't remember what film it's from. Yeah, and that's just horrific. Mm. Absolutely horrific. As you say, for for what feels like a fairy tale fantasy film, mm. for it to end with him getting shot in the cheek like that and oh It's the only way it can end though. Yeah. I mean and I know I know what you mean where it's like that. Because I think this might be the reason what's happened with The Shape of Water is I, when I've been reading about, when I was reading sort of reviews of this from back in the day and things like that, a lot of people seem to have a problem with Guillermo del Toro's villains mm. saying, oh, he just does, they're like, they're like cartoons that, you know, they're just, or like they're one dimensional because they're just made so evil that they're irredeemable and everything else like that. And it's like, yes, but in reality, there are some people who just are arseholes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And someone like that probably wouldn't have a fucking nice characteristic. Certainly yeah. not someone who's in that position. Mm. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you know, I mean, he doesn't... He's He is the authority. And like he says, there's no one above me. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's, it's an arrogance to it as well. I don't think there would be anything redeemable. So maybe that's what's happening with the shape of water. Maybe he's getting that feedback, and he's thought, "Well, I'll try. I'll to, try to defund, mm. give a character more." But, but isn't it because it just makes you feel bleak? And then that's why it reminded mm. me of. Um, in fact, I've put down Darren Aronofsky, um, Requiem for a Dream, mm. and the style and visuals a little bit like The Fountain, like mm. some resemblance of that. But yeah, it just it was bleak. That like it was bad for all of them. Mm. I mean, in the end, the baby's okay. The uh, rebels—I don't know what were they. The gorillas, yeah, yeah gorillas. Like they're obviously they've won. That's good. But yeah, yeah you're not left feeling elated. Like you're not mm. glad that no. he's no. dead. Like it was just all horrible. Uh, to be honest, I'm not as glad that he's dead as glad when he gets his fucking. Mouth yeah, slit yeah. That's, oh. But that's but that's it because that's it's like grim. there's something yeah. he's experiencing some of what he's putting out exactly, and and, and, I, and regretting that he's killed the doctor, like you said. Well, exactly. Like, you know, because yeah. the, the doctor, it's, you know, I mean, okay, he is helping the gorillas, but it's like you do that, then your wife dies in yeah. childbirth because you've had to get in like the army field doctor. Yeah, and it's all well and good, and but, it's almost immediate as well. Literally, mm. as he shoots him, he gets the news that his wife. Mm. Well, because he's, labor, but also so. because of the mandrake being yeah. suppo- possibly because yeah. of the mandrake because I think that's something um, apparently uh, Guillermo del Toro has uh, how many times am I going to say his name in full but, uh, yeah, but <laughs> he, he can't uh, abbreviate it no Guillermo del Toro oh interesting fact he came up with the term masters of horror Yes, I did. I yeah. did know this. Yes, um, like for the, there's a, a TV series anthology series called Masters of Horror. Guillermo del Toro doesn't do doesn't do a 
uh, episode of it, but he was at the original meeting mm. and he ordered drinks for the Masters of Horror <laughs> because they was like him and John Carpenter and John Landis and Mick Garris and everyone all sat around a table and it's like more Sounds drinks like for the... name, really? Yeah. Um, but... Man's a genius. Oh, yeah. Have you seen his house? This is another thing I wanted to say about his house come museum. He's got two houses next to each other. One he lives in with his wife and kids, and the other is a museum come library, come prop store, memorabilia thing, shrine. He's got it's out of this world. It's just Mm. it's just beautiful because he's obsessed with Victoriana. Mm. And that's kind of the reason I want to see Crimson Peak, because apparently that that's he does a really good job. Mm. Crimson Peak was. I've not gone back, gone back and rewatched it since it came out, mm-hmm. um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't. I think I was expecting more of this style, yeah. and it isn't this yeah. at all. It's a very different film to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a beautiful film. It's fantastically written. It's well acted. Mm. The sets are. Absolutely phenomenal. As I say, it's one of those like this where there's the odd, uh, the, the odd, uh, violent act in mm. it, and they are truly horrific. Mm. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable film. So oh, cool. definitely watch it. Definitely. But yeah, but, he, but his house, yeah. yeah. And so he's um, basically it's full of sort of memorabilia. It's he's got. Uh, dozens of books in there he's got a Dickens room as he calls it which is <laughs> just full of like the complete works of Dickens and Wilkie Collins and just loads of Victorian authors and stuff like that he's got a window that is set up to a water system so it permanently rains <laughs> so he's got a permanently <laughs> raining window like a, a room where it permanently rains outside um, he's got an amazing sculpture of Boris Karloff being made up as Frankenstein's monster with um, Dick Smith. Is it Dick Smith? It's it's not... J- uh, Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce, sorry, yeah. Uh, with Jack Pierce, with also with a model of Jack Pierce applying the makeup. Yeah. It's yeah, is... it's just phenomenal stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, and he basically yeah. So he's got a house to live in and a house. Keep all the stuff that he doesn't want the kids getting their grubby fingers on. <laughs> so that's which I think is a very good idea. Um, he started um, as a makeup and effects artist supervisor, and he's formed his own company called Necropia. Um, we might want to track this down. He did a TV series, uh, a Mexican TV anthology horror series called La Hora Macada, which means the the like appointed time or the marked time or yeah. whatever. Um, which was from 88 to 89 so again he's been going a long time basically they asked him to do the makeup and he said yeah but can I write and direct the episodes as well and they were like yeah alright <laughs> fucking hell that's so, a bit of a step up can oh, yeah. you do the makeup can I write and direct it yeah, yeah. yeah but it. but then I suppose yeah it was like he proved his worth clearly so he sort of need to find yeah that. so that but also um, he's done uh, there's a TV series called uh, Troll Hunters, which is like a kids animated series, mm. which mm. is apparently based on a book that he's done. Yeah, we watched okay. a couple of them. Oh yeah, oh, that's that's created by him. Mm. Uh, and obviously he did um, a TV series called The Strain, 
Have you ever seen that? I did see some of it. The str- I watched. I think I watched the first series. I can't remember why I didn't watch the second. I think. I think it might be when I moved. So it was like just a thousand one other things were going on. Yeah. It was like I can't catch up. But yeah. So that. Um, but yeah, he did. Um, he created that. But that's based on. I might actually just go and get the books. Because he's written three books of The Strain. I bought the book for Jennifer and she loved it. Yeah, because so. it's The Strain, The Fall and The Night Eternal are the three books. Um, so, yeah. And apparently he's doing a film of Pinocchio. Oh, really? That's like his next thing. He's doing two films he's got lined up. One's called Nightmare Alley and one is and one is Pinocchio. I don't know if it's going to be live action or animated. I'm kind of assuming live action, knowing mm. him. Because obviously he's got quite a thing for... Practical effects and stuff like yeah, that. Cool. So, you know, that could be good. This is the one that got me, though. In 1997, his father was kidnapped and held to ransom. What? Because he's famous, like, this is in Mexico, his dad got kidnapped. Oh, my God, that's so, horrible. Yeah. What yeah. happened? Um, basically, they asked... Obviously, they put a ransom demand over. James Cameron stumped up a million... <sighs> Of, of his own money to help him out because he was mates with him. I like James. You Cameron, know, I think that 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 is. He doesn't always make great films, but, but as a bloke, I think that's top notch. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a mate. Um, but eventually, his dad was released after seventy two days, mm. and ha- after they'd paid twice the original amount asked for, because they obviously just thought, well, he can get it that easily. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that, he's moved his whole family to the US because yeah. it's going to happen to him again. Um, uh, and the kidnappers have never been caught or identified. Hmm. Although that did make me think, I was like, he's got two houses, one filled with stuff. <laughs> he hasn't made that many films, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but no, yeah. But that was like just a really fucked up. That line. is awful. Just bizarre, you know. You just, and again, like it's just the fact we. It wasn't something that I was particularly oh, aware of. No. Mind you, I suppose in '97. I mean, he'd only done like. Kronos and Mimic, so it was like... I've still not seen Mimic. I haven't. And now, apparently, Joan Vasquez, who writes Invader Zim... Love Invader Zim. He said that he loves the film Mimic because a child is eating in it. (laughs) But the way he put it was he said, you know that bit when you watch a horror film and there's a monster, but then they bring a child in and you know the child's all right. In Mimic, the child gets eaten. And that was like, right, I like this film. And I can see that because it's like, yeah, no, that, that gives you, that's a horror film. Because then it's but like, it, shit, I didn't expect it to do that. But it was the end scene of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. The end scene of Pan's yeah. Labyrinth did not remember him turning around and capping her right yeah. at the end Oh, of fucking hell. I mean, that, that is the thing that always <coughs> sticks with me about it, though. Is it's just so... And weirdly, again, we're back to The Witch, like you said, where it's mm. like, could it be reality? If it, if it isn't real... It's horrible. Yeah. You want you want the fantasy to be real because yeah, otherwise that is, yeah. it is a fucking bleak film yeah. where literally no bastard survives. Um, the part the gorillas, okay, yeah, but half that, of them made it. Half, but the other half, well, didn't. half of them made it, but also they, that's not that's not one. This is post Spanish Civil War, mm. so the fascists stay in power till like the mid seventies. Yeah, so they're still gonna. So they're still get gonna it. be fighting this battle, and prob and certainly probably not within their lifetime. See it change. Mm, yeah, 
And it's sort of, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just harsh as arseholes. I, I thought it was interesting because they, they, he said, um, you found my weakness, pride. And he was, every time his pride was attacked, that's when he would either make mistakes or do something mm. really Yeah, that's when he bad. Did, well, not only was he doing bad shit, he was doing dumb shit. Yeah. Like we said. It's yeah, like, he couldn't control keep, his anger. Yeah, it was keep just, the doctor alive. Yeah. And then kill him. Think, think past this next couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. What's going to happen? What have you got available to you? But yeah, as soon as his pride was attacked, he couldn't it's, handle it. It's a lot of strutting machismo yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah. And and, even to the point of, yeah, shooting a girl because she's yeah. betrayed him. Or, well, even when it's like, it's the sort of patheticness of he's got the same, like he's got his little torture routine yeah, that he does yeah. to people. And it's like, grow up. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're pathetic and again this is a character in a film mm. but you are, still you feel you yeah. than a yeah. real person apparently that guy I don't I, I couldn't I didn't recognise anything he was in the guy who played uh, he went on to be the lead singer in Akakoka of course he? he did yeah no he didn't but he, so, looks but exactly he does look like, like him <laughs> <laughs> but apparently in Spain he's like mostly a comic actor Oh really? And like a lot of the backers were like sort of saying again, where I was like, no, you've got you've picked the wrong person because he's a comedy actor. He might be able to do this, and it's like, no, he did. He really effectively plays an asshole. Absolutely (laughs) perfect. You know, no perfect. He's a a a shitbag of of the worst order. Um, Right, uh, Ivana Banquero, who was Ophelia. Yeah. um, She's also in a film called A Rummer Center: The Werewolf Hunt. Which oh. I watched years ago, and is really good. It's kind of a sci-fi werewolf film set in sort of medieval Spain, as I remember. Interesting. Which is which is just just a good film. Uh, Mercedes, the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, Maribel Verdieu, who I saw in Y Two Manatambium, and I saw a lot of her in Y Two Manatambium. <laughs> Uh, which is basically one of those films that gets a lot of critical acclaim, but you think, yeah, because you were all whacking off. <laughs> um, the Doctor um, is in... Um, uh, that's uh, Alex Angulo. Um, he's in... Do you remember El Dia de la Besta? Day of the Devil, where a priest yes. hires a bloke who works in a record shop to help him... Like a bloke who knows about black metal, to, uh, or just metal in general... Yes. He goes and, yeah, he meets a metaler and basically they have to go and find the Antichrist and stop him being born before he does. I need to rewatch it's that. It's a great film. We've discussed it before because you lent it to me on a VHS yeah. with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Spider Baby. Yeah, that what was a, a fucking good time. What a night that was. I sat and watched them all back to back. Jesus. But yeah, so he's, so he's the priest in that. So he's like the main, the main guy in, uh, in that. Um, he's also in a film called Asion Mutant, which I really, really, really want to see, which is basically a, a sort of sci-fi film about a revolution run by um, disabled and deformed people, mm. um, because it's like the perfect, like, like there's this sort of pretty utopia, but there's this underclass of anyone who isn't perfect, mm. and so they basically start off like a sort of, like a sort of terrorist revolt of like people in wheelchairs and people with one arm and stuff like that fighting back against the norms Um, and he's also in a film called The Backwoods which has got Gary Oldman and Paddy Constantine in it 
which is from about 2006. I saw it, it's pretty good. Um, but basically, yeah, they're like two English couples who've moved to um, rural Spain mm. and they take in this little girl who's been, uh, who's being sort of pursued by villagers and it all goes a bit messy because basically they take her in to protect her but she's got like a, she's got weird hands so the villagers think she's the devil okay. it's not a lot of you know wicker manny sort of yeah. straw dogsy sort of thing of just like you know someone t- they they basically take this person in but the village and everyone are turning on them because they think this is an evil child who should be killed. Okay. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty yeah. good. With, um, yeah, Gary Oldman. Just, it's Gary Oldman, so, yeah. <laughs> Full top marks. No, I was surprised the other day. Did he only just win his first ever Oscar? Yeah. yeah. For Churchill? Yeah. That seemed, yeah, I was shocked. A, a lot of people are saying, it, it is. It, despite the fact he got it for Churchill... It's obviously a lifetime achievement. Award yeah. Of yeah. you have been overlooked so yeah. many times. Yeah. You've done so many good fucking films. Mm. You've been good in so many films. You have an Oscar because, yeah. frankly, mate, we missed you ten years ago. Yeah. Mm. And it they're really making is. up for it now. I don't, yeah, I, I don't necessarily want to see his latest film, even though it's him. Um, I, I would watch it just because it's him. I, I, I find him. Utterly captivating. Mm. I think he's fantastic. Mm. And again, another person whose range is absolutely off the chart. He can do absolutely anything. He really can. No, he really, he's. I mean, he's so good. And just pretty much anything. It's it's weird because again, I think it is like, oh yeah, you should have got one for Sid and Nancy. Because I mean, but again, that was like a British independent film. Yeah. Starring unknowns, essentially, that it was like, no, that ain't gonna get an Oscar, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's worth it's worthy of it. I did say in a long time, actually. I did some notes on the Spanish Civil War okay. because I thought mm. it might it helps sort of ground yeah. it. So obviously, this is set in 1944. Yeah. So it's just after the end of the Spanish Civil War. So essentially, the captain is part of the government. He's part of the ruling regime. And the guerrillas are genuinely, as far as the law of the land is concerned, they are genuinely anti-government guerrillas and are being stamped out. Yeah. So they've ended up in little pockets of resistance and things like that. But basically, yeah, Spanish Civil War is between 1936 and 39. Um, after the abdication of King Alfonso XIII, a democratic regime of government, usually referred to as the Spanish Second Spanish Revolution, were in power. And then the Civil War was a kind of counter-revolution from the right-wing side of things. So it was like the nationalists made up primarily of aristocrats, royalists, and quite heavily the Catholic Church. Oh, really? That seems odd. Towards the left-leaning Republican regime. Basically, it was... Everyone was in power where it was like, well, hang on, we don't like the idea that you're voting people out. How far do you take this? Mm. Because obviously you've got dukes. You've got local... Business, you know, yeah. you've got a lot of people with a lot of vested interests, particularly the fucking church. So, yeah. you know, they're all sort of intermingled there. Um, but yeah, eventually, um, the Republicans, like the Democratic side of things, had an alliance with the anarchists and then fought the nationalists, but um, led by Jan- General Franco. Um, so, essentially, fascist versus. Uh, liberal is is how yeah. it was sort of um, 
uh, or socialist rather. Um, and then 39, the nationalist won, and Franco ruled over Spain until his death in November 1975. Bloody hell. So a long time under uh, essentially a dictatorship. Yeah. And yeah, so again, it bleaks the fuck out of you because. Because thing is set during the Civil War, like uh, Devil's Backbone is kind of like just a year before this. This is yeah. it's like in no, I think it's the last year of the Civil War is Devil's Backbone. Hmm. So again, it sort of resonates all through that basically anyone who's in charge is sort of you know there's no there's no hope. Certainly, Captain Vidal is God yeah. in that in that locality because he's not answerable to anyone. Yeah, yeah, you know, and he is clearly and prick. <laughs> um, Doug Jones, we haven't touched on, but Doug Jones is obviously the fawn and the pale man. Oh, um, yes. And he's Abe Sapien and um, in what's it called? Um, Hellboy. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's not the voice of Abe Sapien in the first one, but he is the voice of Abe Sapien in the second one. Oh, really? Because the first one, it's David Hyde Pierce, you know, Frazier's brother. Yeah, yeah. But Doug Jones still plays the body. And then okay. by the time they did number two, it was like, actually, Doug Jones is a good actor, just get him to do his voice, and I think it's better. I've not watched either of those in a long time. Oh, Probably yeah. there's, should. There's, I mean, they're still uh, great films. There's, um, I remember particularly enjoying the second one, actually, over the first one. Yeah, I think that it's, it's, it's weird, because I was like, oh, it's not got Rasputin and Nazis in it, and it's got... A fairy king. That's going to be shit. No, 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 no it isn't. Right. <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, Doug Jones has been in loads of stuff with Guillermo del Toro. Um, John dies at the end. The Bye Bye Man. Uh, lots of, lots of uh, Star Trek. Various Star Trek. A couple of episodes of The Outer Limits. Oh, he's mm. one of the gentlemen in Hush, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, where they're just the big giant oh, skeleton yeah, men yeah. in suits who float everywhere. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's one of them. Uh, he's also in uh, several episodes of Keenan and Kel. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. But, um, and he learned Spanish because, like, Gamaro Toro said, I want you to play the part. Yeah, and he said, I can't Spanish. speak Spanish. And he was like, well, that's all right, we'll just dub you. And he said, no, I want to learn Spanish. Mm. Well, do you want to learn it phonetically? No, I want to learn Spanish so I can do it properly. Wow. So he did that, and then they dubbed him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Um, also, just an interesting thing. He's a Fong. He's never referred to as Pan. No, I See, noticed that. Yeah, I wonder. There's no actual reference yeah. to Pan. Mm. Because a, a Fong is different to Pan. A Fong is a, a sort of a spirit that, or a creature that helps or confuses and terrifies travellers dependent on whim. Uh, in sort of like lonely, remote and wild places. And he's half man, half goat. And then Pan is a satyr, who, which is also half man, half goat. But that comes from Greek mythology. The form is more Roman mythology. And there's a, I think I wrote it down, the, the quote from Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, because cause basically Pan is a, a fertility symbol who fucks everything. That's oh. all he does. He just shags around like no one's business. So, yeah, the quote from del Toro is... If he was if he was Pan, the girl would be in deep shit. Mm. 
and it's yeah I mean so that yeah. would make a worse film yeah really. so he basically has, <laughs> yeah. you know he said no it's not Pan and but apparently it was based all around the baby yeah but having said that, when you at the end when the title comes up in Spanish, yeah, it is the labyrinth of the form, yeah, and mm. not yeah, it's the labyrinth of the form. But apparently, the uh, distributors in English speaking countries didn't think of, people would know what a form is, so they just said pan. So they said pan because they thought it gets the same message of yeah, yeah. goat boy. Mm. But again, it's sort of like yeah, but probably if you knew. If you could, if you knew what pan was, you'd probably know, know what a fawn was, you know. <laughs> but I mean, so yeah. But I suppose a fawn is a like you get lots of fawns. You only get one pan, kind of. Yeah, but yeah. Pan, mind you, pan is a satire, so or uh, which is or satire. Yeah. Or satire. Who said satire? Is he not ghost legs? Is he not the leader of the? Satire? He is kind of yeah. He's basically he's the embodiment and the great god pan. Mm. Um, but yeah, so mm. that's the that's the fascinating bits. Sorry to have, have <laughs> no, no, done them as so, but yeah, I think that I think that was it. Yeah, poor Doug Jones. Yeah, he just got. Uh, oh yeah, and the pale man mm. represents the Catholic Church. Yeah, called it to Del Toro. This is his interpretation of his own work, obviously, <laughs> uh, because he he says it's the Catholic Church eating children while they have a perversely abundant banquet. In yeah. Front of them. <laughs> And I sort of, you know, let's um, face it, basically, he's not happy with fascism, uh, definitely not happy with the Catholic Church, so. And blind to anything but mm. the child running away and to some his little own, fairies yeah. that it can eat the heads of. Because that, I think, is really, I mean, obviously it's the set piece, because it was the bit that everyone, again, no dialogue, so, yeah. like, yeah. Barry Norman would show it, because yeah, it was yeah. like, I could show this at the end of the thing, there's no dialogue to fuck people up, yeah. and you get the point, and it looks incredible but the weird bit that got me this time round I didn't I mean obviously like we said there's loads of bits we don't remember I mean the frog that vomits itself inside out completely forgot about him but I just and it's a weird touch I'd forgotten about the shoes Mm. you know there's just a pile of kids shoes in the corner and that's like like concentration camp and sort of yeah it's just Mm. building the tents in, in that whole scene that whole part, like where mm. she chooses the different box, just you know, yeah. she's like, is she getting it right? Is she getting it wrong? And then she sort of made it, and she's walking out, and then she just has to eat yeah. some of the uh, grapes. I think they are. Yeah, yeah. like it was just great. Um, am I alone in this? If I was, a, I think I like to think if I was a child who had been sent into magical realms and things like that, that I wouldn't piss about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they've I said, thought that when she came Don't eat any of the stuff. Fuck's sake, just go home and, you know, rate the fucking larder or something. I was going to say, but, she's got that, that, you know, obviously she's got the egg timer as well. Yeah. So it's like, you know you're only in there for two minutes. Surely you can go two minutes without eating. Yeah. It's like the crystal maze. You know, you've got two minutes. <laughs> My to experience the... of children is... Fair enough. <laughs> Does not happen. See, see this. Yeah, I think this is this is maybe this is maybe where my experience will change on me. Yeah, and it is funny because I did have that sense watching it this time. I sort of remembered feeling that last time, like, oh, just go get on mm. with it. Whereas this time, I thought actually that is pretty accurate. Yeah, is it because there was I, I, I was watching uh, there was like some behavioural program that was on quite mm. recently, and they were doing. 
Like it was like basically it was five year olds, and it was all shit. Like, right, you can have you can you can have anything you want in the room, except that toy. Mm. So that's the one that they are becomes, fucking obsessed yeah. with and have to go and, and fuck with. Yeah. It. They'll try, or some of them will try to divert themselves a little bit, but it's just they yeah. just keep on gravitating. They they also had like the buzz thing you know where it's like right oh yeah that. and they said to him if you do it you win a medal and there was a little girl on there bless her mm. she was like a medal she was like <laughs> so excited and I thought you poor little cow you're going to try and do mm. it aren't you and there was little bastards on there who did it and bleeped its ass off and they yeah. still put it at the end there was one kid unhooked it put it on the other side <laughs> and then stood there with his arms crossed waiting for it to come back in and this poor little cow, she kept doing it and it bleeped and then she put it back and did it like that. And it was mm. just like, oh, give her a medal for being the only one who hasn't been a shit bag. You know? <laughs> it's well, the only one who hasn't well, cheated. Apparently, you are meant to only reward effort. You're never meant to reward attainment because it encourages effort for the rest of their lives. Mm, don't know how true idea. it is, but we, we've tried to do that. Oh, I remember there was a set of stickers. I can't remember who, who it was, but there was a uh, there was a teacher around Dean's. Mm. Um, and it was they'd left a set of it was like I can't remember it was someone's girlfriend or something like that and they'd left a set of stickers that had been were to be handed out at school and they were all things like well done bright mm-hmm. star and everything and there was one on there that was just like the most heartbreaking fucking sticker I've ever seen in my life and it was you did your best <laughs> and it's like you're a useless wanker aren't you but at least you tried <laughs> And it was just, yeah, I just found that utterly, you know, that, I mean, not quite the end of Pan's Labyrinth, but it still, it got, it got me there, you know. Um, so, next episode, Ooh, what yeah. are we going to cover? We've not, this, this is the first time in a while we've not actually already decided before we, we go in. I have a sense now that it should be, it should be a bit uplifting. You want something a bit more cheery than that? Oh, yeah. Horrible... Malay of child death that we just sat through. Um, yeah, it's not it's not quite as punchy as the uh, the mass child murder of um, Halloween three. You know, that's quite hard. <laughs> <up. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the rivers, the hills ran red. Uh, well, it was mentioned previously, um, mm. and we've not had a comedy horror. Oh no, let's say we haven't had a comedy horror for a bit, apart from last week when we watched Prevenge, which obviously was. Yeah. Um, but. And to go back to the hashtag, ask welcome to horror, mm. why don't we watch Carry On Screaming? Mm. Alright. I'm up for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love Carry On Screaming. I have a real affinity with it, the same as you do, mm. Adam. Um, I probably watch it once a year at least. Well, get it out of the way for you then. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Do you fancy that, Chris? Well, I've never heard of it, but after what you've said, oh, I think have we you definitely seen any should. Of the Carry On films. Uh, yes, I've definitely seen them. Um, carry On Camping. Yeah, obviously. Um, carry On One in a Hospital. Oh, there's loads. There's exactly. Carry On Doctor, yeah. Carry On Doctor again, <laughs> right. Carry On Nurse, and Carry On Matron. Yeah. Okay. Um, probably a couple of others, but yeah, I can't think what they were. So yeah, I, you know, I know what to expect. Some, in some degree Carry On Screaming is fantastic it's one of the few that's in colour from that period mm. is it one of the first ones that was in colour I think it's I think it's one of the earlier colour ones yeah because it's from it's from the same time as Carry On Cleo which is like the genuinely good 
sort of seam of carry on films where yeah. it's like actually no these are you know these are actually good you know it's not it hasn't got tired but it also isn't because the early ones are kind of like oh they just have the title rather than right here's all the gang yeah here's a series of sexually innuendos yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny actually because yeah this is the characters in this only half of them are probably carry on like the main character in it Harry H. Corbett wasn't no do you know who it was originally meant for Go on. it was meant to be Sid James Oh, really? And, and the way you can tell that is because his character's called Sidney. Because Sid Jones only <laughs> ever played characters called Sid. <laughs> so, yeah, originally it was Sid James. So Can you do his laugh? Nickers! You won't need to do that because he's not in it. <laughs> Excellent. Right, so, thanks ever so much for listening. You know how to contact us, and we will see you next time for Carry On Screaming. Hashtag Ask Welcome to Horror. Ask Welcome to Horror. Goodbye. Good night. Bye. Bye.